Next on BYU Sports Nation, the sting is real for BYU basketball. How eight painful minutes of game time has changed everything for BYU hoops. What it means for the Cougars seeding in the upcoming West Coast Conference Tournament. Plus, can BYU really make it for the last five in Spokane? I mean, is there even hope? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Friday, February 22nd, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who likes to party. His name is Jerem Jordan. Uh, I'm reminded of the scene from Hot Rod, where he says, No, I, I know for a fact you don't like to party. Yeah. This isn't a party school uh, in that sense. It doesn't uh, feel like a party day after what happened last night to BYU basketball. No, no, no. BYU blew it at home, and it's really disappointing. That said, we're going to bring it on a Friday because this is how we do it. Our coach, Steve Cleveland, joins us in 15 minutes. What does he think about BYU's realistic chances in Spokane against Gonzaga? Like, what percent chance would he give... BYU to win for a fourth time in five years up there. Gulp. Gabby Garcia-Fernandez of BYU Volleyball joins us in 30 minutes. What's the best part of playing in front of that home crowd and the Smithfield House after the team was gone on a lengthy stay away from their home digs? It's and then Puerto Rico. Charlie Cream, ESPN women's basketball bracketologist, joins us in 40 minutes. How solid is BYU into the NCAA tournament projection? They went from three out to a firm nine seed why the jump, and what they have to do to maintain that position. This is how we do your Friday BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU men's basketball lost 77-71 to San Francisco last night, led by 14 with eight minutes to go. At the Marriott Center, despite 20-point outings from Yoli Childs and TJ Haas, the Cougars looking for a miracle tomorrow as they travel to Spokane to take on the de facto number one ranked team in yeah. the country, Gonzaga. Head coach Dave Rose says his team, well, they're going to have to move past last night's disappointing loss very quickly. You know, the, the, these guys are stung pretty good, and, and I'm, I'm sure when they come in tomorrow, it'll, it'll still be still be there. we got to figure out a way to you know get on to the next thing and uh, by the tip on, on Saturday, put it behind us and, and uh, be ready to go. Tip-off set for 10 p.m. Eastern, 8 Mountain on ESPN. Pre-game coverage starts at 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain, live on BYU Radio. Baseball beat Texas A&M, Corpus Christi 6-2. Brock Hale, 2 for 5, 2 RBIs, 1 run, and a stolen base. Noah Hill went 3 for 3. And Reed McLaughlin threw 2 and a third of relief. Pitching earned the win, gave up 0 earned run, struck out 2. Nicely done. BYU takes on the Ohio State 3 Eastern today on BYU Radio in Corpus Christi, Texas. Tomorrow the Cougars will take on Oral Roberts at 2 Eastern, also on the BYU Radio. Jason Shepard on the call. BYU softball. All he does is travel now with baseball. Split the first day of the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic in Cathedral City, California in the Palm Springs area. 5-4 lost to Nebraska, but followed up with a 7-3 win against Missouri, snapping the Tigers' six-game win streak. Good bounce back. BYU takes on Northwestern today at 2 Eastern and number 4 Oklahoma tonight at 7.30 Eastern. Let's go. Boomer this. And Peter Quest led the men's golf team into first place after the first round of the Johnny Burns Invitational in Hawaii with an eagle 
Five birdies and one bogey. Quest scored a 66, tying him for first. He is legit. Isn't it uh, by contract that we have to say Peter Quest, Quest for, for perfection. perfection? That's his nickname. He is on the Quest. Yeah. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Jeremy, I want to take you back to about the under-eight timeout last night in the second Don't, half. I BYU remember. feeling good. They are rolling. The offense is scoring at will. <sighs> Defense is shutting down a really good San Francisco team. The Cougars have a double-digit lead on their home floor. Yeah. There is zero chance for BYU to lose that game because that never happens in the Marriott Center. BYU turns the ball over on four consecutive possessions and thus begins really what is an epic meltdown on the home floor. BYU outscored 28-8 to over that last stretch. And now BYU has put themselves behind the eight ball of sorts heading into West Coast Conference tournament seating. Jerem, in your mind, why did last night hurt so much? Because BYU uh, did it at home. It's different when you're down on the road and you, it's different. BYU was at home. This is a place that BYU had beaten every non-top-10 team they had played this year. They were 12-0. San Francisco is a good team, and we knew this. We knew that this was going to be a challenge. And BYU was playing good ball. This, the way BYU played in the first you know, 32 minutes might have been the best game BYU's played all year. I mean, they were taking it to San Francisco, making threes, dunking everything. It was awesome. And then BYU got real tight. And this was a big game. We knew that the two seed was on the line, and now BYU's toast in that regard. Um, and, and it means much more. We'll discuss that in a second. But you can't lead by 14 at home and then lose and feel any kind of solace. This is a really tough one. Real, di- I'm not mad. I'm just real sad. Like, a lot of disappointment. There have been some disappointing losses in West Coast Conference play since BYU joined in the 2011-2012 season. I can think of the Dell of a Dagger. This one wasn't as painfully obvious in the moment having a win totally taken away from you thanks to a miracle shot but it kind of feels like that triple overtime loss to Portland a few years back or BYU losing to Pacific or even losing to Portland after they beat Gonzaga it just it hurts because all of this good has been done leading up to it and then gone yeah I think some of the goodwill is uh, BYU's won six of its last eight but they're not going to be the two seed, and they're probably not going to win 20 games in the regular season unless they upset Gonzaga tomorrow. So it's tough. We, we've said, I said earlier in the season that I thought this is probably, this might be Dave's worst team. And this, still, this team's probably going to eventually win 20 games and get to the NIT. If that's your worst team, cry me a river. Like, there are a lot worse teams in college basketball. But the standard is high here, and it's disappointing to lose at home. And uh, BYU has yet to lose to a non uh, St. Franzaga, right? Um, but it could mean the four seed, and that's tough because then you see Gonzaga in a semi, and then... Yeah, the thing that I yeah. hate the most is BYU now no longer controls right. their own destiny, if you will. It's a helpless feeling. Now they need help from a bunch of different teams and people. They need teams to lose. It becomes a scoreboard-watching affair yes. just to hope to get to the number three seed and avoid Gonzaga in a semifinal. I hate that, that BYU had two home... They win their home games... They are, there's no way they're going to face Gonzaga in a semifinal. Now they need help. And let's quantify the disappointment with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. ESPN says BYU had a 97.8% chance to win at the 8.02 mark in the second half when BYU was up 14. Here's what's funny about the so last three games for BYU. In the second half, 
at San Diego. You already ran out of the comeback juice, I think. The Toreros had <laughs> like a 97% chance of winning the game when they were up 14 with 12 to go. BYU. The key is to not be that team, I guess. At LMU, LMU had a 90-plus percent chance to win that game, and now BYU is the victim of this yeah. as San Francisco and, comes and back. BYU won this game last year when they shouldn't have. Uh, yeah, crazy. With the loss of the Cougars uh, last night, they lose a tiebreaker with San Francisco, uh, and they have the same amount of West Coast Conference losses now as San Francisco and St. Mary's. Still a half game up, but that's because BYU hasn't, or they played one more game than the others. What did the loss mean for BYU's West Coast Conference tourney outlook? Okay, so I talked to Jeff Toriel last night, uh, the West Coast Conference associate commissioner, and he gave me some tie- to the commissioner. to the commissioner. Yeah, okay. He gave me I'm some tie-breaking scenarios. Now, if theoretically speaking, BYU and St. Mary's both lose to Gonzaga, but win their other games, mm-hmm. then they would finish in a tie at eleven and five. And for third. For third. San Francisco appears, if they, if they went out, they will be in second. And it's like, oh, well, why can't BYU be the three seed? Because St. Mary's beat San Francisco one time. and mm-hmm. They split. Now, all of a sudden, BYU falls into the number four seed. So what this means is BYU is rooting so hard for San Diego tomorrow on their home floor to beat St. Mary's because the Gales have to play Gonzaga as well. If San Diego can beat St. Mary's, then the Cougars still have a shot to get that number three seed. Then what's the tiebreaker between St. Mary's and, and BYU is the question. Well, there wouldn't be a tiebreaker because St. Mary's would have six theoretical oh, They would have an extra loss. Losses. Oh, They're going to okay. lose to Gonzaga. Yeah. They have four because losses. Because BYU, if they lose to Gonzaga tomorrow, will have five losses. And then you've got to beat San Diego. And then they so. still... And speaking of they, uh, BYU would control their destiny to beat San Diego at home and get to that number three seed. The point is to not be the four, right, at this point. Absolutely. It is a scramble to avoid the four seed. Yes, because that means you've played Gonzaga in the semis. If you get there, if you get there, BYU, by not being the two, potentially, will have to play a quarterfinal now, and that means they've got to win a game on Saturday. They've got to not prep on Sunday, and then they've got to play a Monday semifinal, potentially against... San Francisco, if BYU becomes the three. You don't want to be the four because you don't want to play Gonzaga in the semis. It's, it's a matter of when you probably lose to Gonzaga, and you want that to be on Tuesday night. And then there's the take of, well, hey, maybe there is an advantage to BYU getting on the floor a little bit earlier if they are the three seed. If they win that Saturday game, then they've had some experience down there. There's not as much rust on, and then San Francisco's been waiting. Perhaps. This is, this is the glass half full right. outlook. right. And then you knock out Gonzaga in the semis. Yeah, and then, it. yeah. It, it, listen. I said a half full, not what, all the way full. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What you want to do is get to Tuesday, and then just maybe you play the game of your life and you knock off the Zags and you go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. You want that one. At game this point, right? I don't care about having to play San Francisco in the semifinals, but BYU's got to be that three seed. You got to be yeah, the three I, seed. Yeah, it's all about the three at this point. With all of this, let's ask a simple what's the chance question, do Jerem. It. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Jerem, what's the chance BYU beats Gonzaga tomorrow in Spokane, making it four out of the last five years in the kennel? It's incredible that BYU has won three of the last four there. In fact, it was three in a row, and then BYU lost last year. I can't believe that that has happened. The more we say that out loud, the more I think that's incredible. I was there for the first one, okay? It was unbelievable. I'm not going to say I'm going to shave my head if this happens, okay? If I knew that it would be for BYU to win the game, maybe. But I'm not going to say it. 
Uh, I say 3%. Ken Palm says 2%. I say 3%. You've got a shot. I, here's the thing, though. The last few years, BYU's matched up decently. I mean, Gonzaga's been better and way better as a team, but BYU has matched up. I don't think BYU matches up very well with Gonzaga. I just think they have too many horses. I think BYU at its best can give Gonzaga a game, and that's what you hope tomorrow. Gonzaga has two first-round draft picks on their team as the bigs. At least. Brandon Clark and like, Rui Hachimura. Like, we'll see when everything shifts. Yeah, out. they have more draft picks on their team overall, but I know for sure they're going to have at least two first-round draft picks in the NBA, and that's really hard to do. They're so talented. That said, BYU needs to play with the mentality of nobody, and I mean nobody, is giving you a shot to win this game. Much but like nobody gave them like a shot way. to win the game when Gonzaga was 29-0 and and ranked number and it's, one. And it's and a realistic assessment. I give BYU, So, again, this is how I typically look at these things. If they played the game 100 times, I think BYU probably wins mm, five or six times. Okay? Really? That many? So 5 to 6% chance. Wow. Yes. Because things are weird, and sometimes you have fluky shooting nights where you make 12 three-pointers, and... Gonzaga starts to feel weird in the second half, and they let that pressure kind of get to them that they haven't really felt since they played North Carolina on the road and Tennessee and Arizona. Like, they just haven't been in that position. Their scoring margin is 25 right now. 25! They haven't felt it because they're awesome. So if they get into that weird situation, how will they respond? I just want to see them in the weird situation. I would love to see BYU up 14 with eight to go. <laughs> That's what I want to see. And then they hold on to the lead and they go from there. Every BYU win there has come down to the wire and it's been close, right? So if BYU has any shot, and remember, BYU lost this game by 30. I mean, it wasn't even close. Gonzaga's really good at making BYU start way away from the basket, not get good looks. Brandon Clark leads the country in blocks, like shoots 68%. It's like, oh, my gosh. There are a couple of ways that I cope with uh, the extra sting of a loss like last night. One is <laughs> I hug my kids. Yes, it is. it's come to that. <laughs> and number two is I listen to music, Jerem. I find solace in music. So our question of the day, what song best describes your feeling after last night's BYU loss to San Francisco. Time to hear from you. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in from at WD Heath 40 on Twitter. In the Arms of Angels by mm-hmm. Sarah McLaughlin. What is this, adopt a puppy commercial? I honestly don't know any of the words, but boy, that captures how sad that was. Yeah, you do. You just named some of them. <laughs> <laughs> you just said some of them. At Yfangirl underscore JB on Twitter. Shot through the heart, and you're to blame. You give love a bad name. I play my part, and you play your game. <laughs> yeah, we don't have any of the rights to these songs. Uh, otherwise, we just play them. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, continue to use uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, William. Coming we'll give, up. Yeah, we'll give you our songs in a little bit. Mine's a Pop Roach song, but I can't. Say. Coming up, Steve Cleveland explains what happened the last eight minutes left. And how much of a chance does he think BYU has to win at Gonzaga tomorrow. Like, what's the formula for that miraculous thing to happen again? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The 20-6 BYU women's basketball team hosts 8-18 and San Diego tomorrow at 4 Eastern time. The Toreros have lost 13 in a row. BYU will look to make it 14. 
Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton. That is Jerem Jordan. Listen to BYUSN On Demand by downloading the BYU Sports Nation podcast. Watch the show anytime you want at BYUSN.com. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, former BYU basketball head coach Steve Cleveland with us. To recap, really a head-scratching final eight minutes of the San Francisco BYU game last night and preview the Cougars at Gonzaga in Spokane. Coach, uh, let's start chronologically with what happened last night. From your point of view, how did that transpire over the last eight minutes where BYU eventually lost by six? Well, it was kind of the perfect storm. (laughs) Uh, You had a 14-point lead, 63-49, and then in the process there's five turnovers in about a three-minute span, actually seven turnovers in a seven-minute. They settled for some quick threes. Uh, USF obviously was scoring off turnovers uh, from missed wide open threes and, and, and all of it kind of reminded us a little bit of how BYU came back last year and won kind of a game they should have never won and I think that uh, USF made the big plays you had 48 and 59% free throw shooters go 6 for 6 and Minlan was amazing with two huge drives that were contested and Frankie Ferreira, which is unbelievable all night. But it's a game that BYU should have won, and all of those were mistakes that they made to kind of beat themselves. Obviously, you put teams in a position to win games late, they're going to do that. But they should have never been in a position to win that game. And they know that. The coaching staff knows that. And it's just difficult to, uh, to deal with. It was tough because BYU had won five in a row, six of seven. They were in the two-seed spot. And now BYU probably falls to the three or even four-seed. So... That one wasn't just, uh, oh, shoot, we should have won that game. That one really affected potentially BYU's postseason outcome. It did. It did. You know, you got to figure that BYU goes 1-1 one one probably, uh, finishes 11-5. USF controls their own destiny. They're at Santa, Santa Clara. They play USD and LMU. All three of those are good teams that USF is playing. I mean, they, they can't fall asleep. But even in worst-case scenario, if they go 2-1, and one, they're 11-5, and five, and they win all the tiebreakers. But St. Mary's is the team, and probably BYU will know whether they're going to be in third place. If St. Mary's wins at San Diego, um, they're probably going to be the third seed, and BYU will be the fourth seed. If San Diego beats St. Mary's, then it looks like St. Mary's probably will be the fourth seed and get matched up with Gonzaga early. Steve Cleveland with us on BYU Sports Nation as we look at what happened between BYU and San Francisco. Coach, what do you do in that moment when you are the head ball coach and you feel the wheels starting to fall off? What do you do and say to your team to try and prevent that from happening? I think one thing, you call it, you know, you have a timeout and you get back to we got a guard and we got a rebound. And then there were some missed rebounds and we can't have any defensive breakdowns. You've got to make them shoot over you and through you and get stops, number one. And then number two, don't settle for jump shots, especially when they had a four-point lead and they settled for a couple of quick threes that just, just didn't make sense, to be honest with you, and they can't do that. And so it, it's a matter of getting the best shot that you can get. You, you, they had a, you had a lead late, and uh, but just some – Ill-advised, quick shots, and turnovers really led to their demise. But I think most of all, you're talking about the defensive end getting stops. And then, again, like most games in conference play in February, these games are won in the half court. And it's taking care of the basketball. It's getting good shots. And 
you know, they got to the free throw line. They missed a few free throws as well. But for the most part, I just felt like it was just being sloppy with the ball, turning it over, and then just some ill-advised shots early that uh, just settled too quick for something they could have got a better shot later on in the shot clock. Five guys scored. Uh, two were in double figures. Yoli Childs and T.J. House combined for 53. Who do you identify as perhaps uh, a player or two that is going to need to be there if BYU has any shot of uh, trying to get to Tuesday night in Vegas? Well, Stelius has played the most minutes. He, he, he's a guy that is, you know, last time they played uh, Gonzaga, he had 13 points. He, he's a guy that has, has gotten better. They've had him coming off the bench, and he seemed to have that role. But I think you have to have an expectation for a young man that's played as many minutes. I think one of the things I was thinking about with Nick Emery was that maybe early on, maybe early on in a game when things aren't so critical that you run a quick hitter or two, you do some things to get him and help him maybe get a shot or two, get to the free throw line and have his confidence because he's been in these situations before and he's been playing pretty well. And all of a sudden the last couple of games here, it's, it's kind of gone away. But, you know, Baxter is, is, is going to score around a basket. He's going to have 8, 10. You know, he needs to be in that 8 to 12-point area. I know for a freshman off a mission, Harding is probably going through some fatigue and, and it's, it's a long season. But if they could get – you know, two to four points. Cannon kind of just disappeared when he had had a couple of big nights. But Cannon and Harding and Sayus between them and Emery, between them, there, there needs to be 20 points. There needs to be 20 to 24 points for them to beat good teams. Steve Cleveland with us on BYU Sports Nation. Now let's turn the page to Gonzaga. And I know there are a few blue-goggled BYU fans out there saying, hey, technically if BYU beats Gonzaga tomorrow, then they would still only have four losses. And if they ended in a tiebreak, with St. Mary's, with the win over Gonzaga, then they'd be the three seed. Coach, what would it realistically take for BYU to win in Spokane against Gonzaga? Well, if you look at the three times that they've done it, they've been able to keep the game close up until the last five minutes, where all of a sudden a team that's ranked, a team that's expected, and everyone has talked about them winning this game and having a 91 or 92% chance of winning. So the key thing is to stay in the game. And any time there's going to be an upset, and BYU's done this three times, for them to stay in the game and be within striking minutes, you know, four or five minutes to go to the game, then, then they have a chance. What the problem has been, there have been three teams that have played Gonzaga pretty tough. San Diego played them pretty tough at home. San Francisco played them pretty tough at home where the game was still on the line with four or five minutes. The same thing with LMU. But those were all road games where the team was playing at home. The Zags are really good. And uh, I'll give you an interesting, 19 NBA teams were represented when Gonzaga was playing at the University of San Diego, which would tell you that more than one of these guys is going to probably play in the league. It's the best Gonzaga team ever. Anything can happen in college basketball, from foul trouble to injuries and circumstances. But if all things are stay as they have been, uh, Clark, Kuchemez, Kispert, Norvell, Perkins, these are guys with a lot of experience. It's going to be a really difficult place for BYU to play. That doesn't mean you aren't preparing and that you're doing everything you can to win this game, especially when there is a history for BYU to go there. And Gonzaga is aware of that. That coaching staff's aware of it. Uh, I, ho- I hope it's a competitive. I hope it is a game that in the last four or five minutes that BYU has a chance to win the game. But to do that, 
you're right. It's going to take more than two guys scoring, and it's going to take a whole team of guys diving on the floor for loose balls, blocking out, making free throws, and doing all the little things. So it's going to take a really, really special effort for BYU to go there and do something they've already done. But this is the best Gonzaga team they've ever had. Coach, always a pleasure, and I'm with you. Make it weird. Make it uncomfortable for the home team, uh, and BYU should play like a team that uh, is is expected to do nothing. Thanks for the time, man. You bet. Take care, guys. Steve Cleveland on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. So what you hope, that at the end of the game, you like to say it, (laughs) the old workaholics, let's get weird. Make it weird. Make it weird. Make it weird. (laughs) But, But that's where Gonzaga's put their foot down in close games. Is in the last five minutes. Oh. So, yeah. It's time for our and one picks recap and preview. Let's go. Picks, predictions, and one on BYU Sports Nation. We give two picks. The first pick worth dose. And if we get that one right, we can pick up the extra Uno with our second pick. Going into last night's game, I had the slimmest of margins over Jerem, 18 to 17. All right, Jerem. Did you take the lead back from me? Let's recap. Two-pointer. BYU will win by five or more. Oh, Jerem, I thought, oh, man, he's got this one in the bank. Up 14 with eight minutes to play. It was looking good. It didn't go well the last eight. And my one-pointer. And one. Zach Selyus and Nick Emery will combine for three or more three-pointers. This Zach, also looked fantastic Zach early. Selyus started two for two. Uh, he finished two for four. And Nick Emery, 0 oh, for three. Wouldn't have mattered. I didn't get the two-pointer. All right. My two-pointer. I said TJ Haas will outscore Frankie Ferrari. Swish! And I was a little shocked about this because coming down the stretch, Ferrari was nails, and he equaled up Haas at 23, and I thought, the way this game's going, there's no way. But TJ hit two late free throws, so yay. A hollow two-pointer that TJ Haas outscores Frankie Ferrari. My and one. And one. BYU will make more three-pointers than San Francisco. San Fran made more in the first half than BYU made in the game. San Francisco made nine, nine in the first half. They made three twos in the first half. Wow. They made nine three-pointers in the first half. BYU on their home floor made six and gave up 12. Updated standings now. I have 20 points with my two-pointer. Jerry remains at 17. And now yeah. our picks. Go ahead. We have a minimum of like four games left in the season. It could be more. But, wow. yeah. I don't even want to think about that. Yeah, come on. Okay, my two-pointer. BYU will score 64-plus. That doesn't sound like a lot, right? BYU scored 63 at home, and Gonzaga's giving up 58 a game in WCC play. Okay, so I'm going five points over the average. I'm totally fine with that. In West Coast Conference play. You are? Maybe yeah, I'll lower it. I'm totally fine with that. My one-pointer. Give me some of that. BYU will have, have fewer turnovers than Gonzaga. Oh, now, yeah. okay, so this is, the, this is one of those hopeful picks, right? Well, BYU did in Provo. It was 9-8. to eight. <laughs> but BYU's tur- BYU turned it over 14 times last night. Ay, ay, ay. I just want to get the two-pointer. I'd be happy. Yeah. Okay. That. All right. My two-pointer. BYU will keep this game within 20 points, Oh, Jerem. my gosh. That says a lot about Gonzaga. Uh, the Cougars lost by 30. 20? The Cougars lost by 30 wow. at home. Moral victory yes. an amazing, max. An amazing moral victory. St- look at Moral victory. You know what? I'm out of here. <laughs> BYU keeps the game within 20. Gonzaga's averaging a 25-point win this season. 
They have a scoring margin of plus 25. They're on their home floor. Jerem is leaving the studio. Not kidding. <laughs> and one. And one. BYU will have... I, so I, I'm changing this on the fly. Can I change this on the fly? I'm, I'm making a change on the fly for you. Okay? For my and one pick. I was going to say BYU will hold Gonzaga to 89 or less. Yeah, let's okay? put Greg up here. Okay? <laughs> I'm no longer saying BYU will hold Gonzaga to 89 or less. I'm going to say BYU will have the leading scorer in this game. Okay. Okay. If they have any shot of winning, I think I, this absolutely gra- has to our happen. Our graphics department does not appreciate. Oh, I know, the, the I know, but I'm calling edition. the audible. Well, you walked out of the studio, so I'm like, okay, maybe I need to bring on the end one pick. <laughs> Coming up, <laughs> will BYU keep it within fifty? We'll discuss. ESPN's Charlie Cream on the women's team's hopes of making the NCAA tournament, and Gabby Garcia so Fernandez. Can. Yes. Gabby Garcia Fernandez of BYU Men's Volleyball in studio. What's it like playing in front of the Smithfield House for the Puerto Rican start? Is it Puerto Rico, Gabby? It's Puerto Rico. It's Puerto Rico. Yes, it is. This is BYU Sports Nation. (laughs) Tomorrow night, the ninth-ranked BYU Men's Volleyball team hosts fellow MPSF team Grand Canyon. 9 Eastern time, BYU TV and the app tomorrow. Let's keep it rolling, BYU Sports Nation, on a Friday. Trying to make everybody feel a little bit better. Not an easy task today. We now present today's BYU Sports Station headlines. <laughs> BYU men's basketball. We'll keep it within 20 tomorrow against uh, Gonzaga. Moral victory. <laughs> they lost last night 77-71 to San Francisco. Outscored 28-8 over the last eight minutes in the Marriott Center. The Cougars, well, they seek another miracle in Spokane. They've done it three of the last four years when they take on de facto number one Gonzaga. Assuming the Zags win, they'll be the number one team in the country yes. again. Yeah. Tip-off 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain on ESPN. Pre-game coverage starts at 9 Eastern on BYU Radio. Baseball beat Texas A&M Corpus Christi 6-2. Brock Hale, 2 for 5, 2 RBIs, 1 run, a stolen base. No Hill went 2 for 3. Reed McLaughlin threw 2 and a third innings of relief, earned the win, 0 earned runs, struck out 2. BYU plays Ohio State today, 3 Eastern on BYU Radio at Whataburger Field. Hopefully they just have some burgers lying around. Tomorrow the Cougars will take on Oral Roberts. Tomorrow 2 Eastern on BYU Radio as well. Jason Shep Dizzle on the yeah, call. Day hungry, Chad. That's BYU's 3-2. and two. Speaking of the Batcats. BYU softball, meanwhile, 5-5 five and five on the season after they split the first day of the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic in Cathedral City, California. Lost to Nebraska in extra innings 5-4, but bounced back with a nice 7-3 win over Missouri, ending the Tigers' six-game win streak. BYU takes on Northwestern today at 2 Eastern and number 4 Oklahoma tonight at 7.30 Eastern. They're coming down the plains, man. And Peter Quest led the men's golf team into first place after the first round of the John A. Burns Invitational in Hawaii with an eagle... Five birdies and one bogey. Quest scored a 66, tying him for first. Peter Quest for perfection. Joining us now in Studio B, our second guest on this Friday, high flyer, sophomore sensation, Gabby Garcia-Fernandez of BYU Men's Volleyball. Gabby, nice to What's have up, you. Gabby? What's up? It was about time. Yes, yeah, it is had, about time, Have we had man. you in here? Nope. We didn't have you Not. in last year at all. Wow. Nope. That's RB. That's RB. We can agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> Gabby, how would you describe this season for BYU Volleyball thus far? Uh, it's been really interesting. You know, it's been ups and downs. It's been exciting moments and frustrating moments. It's been, you know, a good learning experience for the team and the coaches. And we're excited to keep going and give our best. You won two, you lost four, now you've won two, and you have Grand Canyon coming in tomorrow night. What's the key to kind of keeping the winning streak going? Uh, just our mindset, you know, just... 
being ready to learn every day, being ready to work hard every day. We get in the gym and get after and practice and be coachable as a athlete and, you know, listen to people and be ready to learn every day. Nobody wants to go through a four-match losing streak because you're all competitors. You want to win every match you play. That said, a lot of athletes are in agreement that sometimes you learn your best lessons when you are at that bottom point. What did you learn in the four-match losing streak? Uh, I learned that BYU men's volleyball is not untouchable. We're not gods, and other schools recruit really nicely, and they recruit to beat us, and the same thing, recruit to beat other people. Um, also, I learned that not everything can go our way. You know, some things just go our way every time, and then now it just it went downhill, but now we're just ready to keep going up and then grow as a team. The standard's really high, so four-match losing streak's like, what's going on, right? Um, two assistant coaches uh, took other jobs. You replaced them, uh, and then you lost three All-Americans. So it's certainly been a different kind of makeup of the team. Um, so how has that affected you? Have you felt more pressure to have a bigger role on the team since you're kind of the returning big gun? Um, yes and no. You know, I trust uh, past players. I trust our coaching staff. I trust the new Guys that came to the team, I trust that they would do their job. Um, you trust them, but you broke Devin Young's pinky. I did. <laughs> I did broke, broke his pinky. In the yeah. alumni match, yeah. I did. Um, <laughs> but they're doing great. You know, um, coaches are doing really nicely. I, I love those. I love those guys. And every time we go into the court, we laugh all the time. And and it's great. You know, I trust my teammates that they're going to do their job. And it's been a good learning experience, you know. We lost Brendan and we lost Price and Leo, and they're really, they're leaders. They're, like, really good leaders, and now, like, people are taking their spots and filling up the shoes, and it's a really nice job to, you know, being one of the leaders in the team with other guys, too, and I believe it's going to be a good learning experience for everybody. The road challenges early in the season were significant at Pepperdine, at UCLA. I mean, you were really tested to away from Barbara home. Yeah, to really hard. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that all is in a, a row, by the way. Brutal slate. That said, now you come home and you're playing in the Smithfield House. What kind of a difference does it make for you as a team playing in front of your home fans in one of the most electric environments in all of college volleyball? Oh, it's amazing. You know, Smithfield House is, is home, is where everybody wants to be, and, you know, is exciting and. It goosebumps when you do something and everybody comes up to their feet and you can feel the vibration on the floor because everybody's just screaming. <laughs> uh, and then you can barely talk to your teammates. And it's I love the field house and I love this place. And I hope I can play here for as long as I can. Let's talk about that communication. There's uh, a Brazilian, there's a, a Finn, there's an Italian, there's a Puerto Rican. So when it gets loud and you have four dudes that speak four different languages and perhaps two Americans... How's the communication like in that moment? Oh, it gets rough, you know. Uh, the English is good. Everyone's English is really good, which is oh, yeah, great. Yeah. If it wasn't, it might be hard, right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes it get rough, you know. I, Felipe and David are my roommates, and sometimes we sit at home, and then we're, like, discussing something, and nobody knows the word in English, so we're, like, <laughs> really frustrated. Brazilian, like, Italian. Right, we're, like, yeah, yeah. saying it in different languages, but, like, um, <laughs> it gets, you know, sometimes it get rough, and, like, sometimes you feel hard to communicate with uh, setters or saying I feel hard. It feels hard to communicate with David or Felipe because, like, you don't speak the same language. You just all need to learn Latin together because they're Latin-based. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's, the key. that's it. That's it. That's it. That's the key. <laughs> oh, this doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. <laughs> now, before you go, Gabby, I want to ask you, what was your road like to BYU? Why did you pick BYU when you were so highly recruited by so many other programs? That's a great question. Um, I believe BYU is like my home. You know, is I live the same way to live here. It's a small place. At the same time, it's not that small. Um, it is cold. I can say that I don't. It's not Puerto Rico. No, it's not Puerto Rico. <laughs> uh, I don't like the cold. But other than that, it's like the way I live at home. The program is the, one of the best programs in the country. And, I mean, why not? You know, it's like one of the best schools in the world, and I don't regret anything. There's a rich tradition of Puerto Ricans. It's great to have you here. Uh, you're just a sophomore. It's going to be fun to see you your whole career here. And yep. We appreciate the time. First time in uh, Grand Canyon tomorrow night, 9 Eastern. Tomorrow night. Okay. All right, let's give them some karma. Some karma. Good luck. match against uh, Continue to Grand Canyon. Ace people. And uh, would Kills. you mind signing our Sailor Coop flag? Yeah, of course. Okay, awesome. Thank Gabby you. Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, a sophomore think, sensation. I don't think we have a Puerto Rican on there. So that might be a first. Do we have another Puerto Rican? Not right now. I don't think so. Yeah, okay, right awesome. Coming up, score records fall at the MPSF Championships in Swim and Dive. More coming up in the whip. And next, ESPN's Charlie Cream, bracketologist for women's basketball, joins us. What do the Cougars need to do to assure themselves an NCAA tournament bid? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tomorrow night, the Cougars men's basketball team gets a shot at number two Gonzaga in the kennel in Spokane, 10 Eastern on ESPN and BYU Radio, pregame on the radio at 9 Eastern time. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question of the day. We're focused on solace and finding solace in music. What song best describes your feeling to wrap up what happened between BYU and San Francisco last night? Jeremy, mm-hmm. you do the honors. Uh, at Vid and Lish. And Lish? On Twitter. <laughs> You've lost that love and feeling by the Righteous Brothers. Ooh. Now with the trip to Gonzaga, I'm feeling like we're headed to the danger zone, Kenny Loggins, who performed that in the uh, Marriott Center in the 80s. If we can somehow pull that off, I'm totally going to cue up the main theme from Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Well done. Continue to weigh in on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hashtag BYUSN. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is ESPN women's basketball bracketologist Charlie Cream. Charlie, nice to have you back on the show. Especially nice that BYU is a nine seed in your latest projection. So thanks for doing that so we have something good to talk about. Well, hey, it's, it's not really any work I did, guys. I uh, it's just kind of I kind of follow a bouncing ball. But uh, no, BYU's had a really nice season. A, a season that maybe surprised me a little bit. I didn't have them really on the map uh, in the preseason. So this emergence and being placed as a nine seed right now is something that I didn't see back in November. Charlie, what's your life like on a day-to-day basis right now as you wind down in the very intense college basketball season and so many moving parts are changing things literally by the minute when it comes to primetime? Well, I'll say this. Last night was a good example of kind of how it starts to shake out this time of year. I I had uh, in my office at home, I had a game on my iPad and was flipping back and forth between two games on on TV and all the while was, had my, my sheets in front of me and my email going. So I was trying to email the uh, producers of the shows at the SEC Network 
um, so the host can have the information as as the game has changed. And when the you know the, the early games, Kentucky and South Carolina ended, that shifted things a little bit. And then Tennessee and Missouri after that shifted things even a little bit more. Then waiting for the Gonzaga game last night to end to you know maybe tweak something here. So it was kind of a, a, everything was rotating all at once. And uh, nothing major changed last night, but just enough to keep the discussion points hot and up to the minute. BYU is number nine, as we mentioned. Uh, they've beaten number 13 Gonzaga not once but twice, which is pretty incredible. And that's part of the reason they're probably in the bracket. But I want to do. I want to ask this. RPI, uh, they got rid of that in men's hoops. They used net. Uh, RPI still exists in women's basketball, though. So uh, does it still have kind of the same role that it's always had in bracketology? It does. It, it's, it's about using that RPI to kind of get a, a sense of teams for the committee, and then, then they kind of they're able to sort of group teams and bracket teams based on that, and then and then they kind of start looking at the information on a little bit more granular level as they start to compare groups of teams together. And that's that's kind of what I do as well. But I also look at our since RPI has been used for so long and. And even though committee members change, that sort of that has been a foundation. I look at historical RPI data to try to apply to some level of what's going on that particular season. And in the case of BYU, it would be extremely rare, not unheard of, but rare for a team in the 20s in the RPI to be left out of the tournament. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily mean to say that BYU is absolutely 100% safe right now, but it lends itself to uh, a, a decent probability that BYU will end up, as long as disaster doesn't strike toward the end of the regular season, will end up in the field. And BYU is number 26 currently. What does BYU need to do to assure themselves? And you say avoid disaster. Like, how can they? Have, what's the minimum to avoid disaster and get in the tournament? Well, since they had, there's, there's three regular season games left, don't help them at all. They can only hurt them. So when I say avoid disaster, I mean don't lose any of these three games coming up. They're, they're playing kind of the, the mid to lower teams in the WCC. Don't trip up. And, and essentially any, any losses from now to the end of the regular season would in some effect negate one of the Gonzaga wins. Don't want to do that if they want to make the field. And then, and then you know, be reasonable in the WCC tournament. Make the semis, I think, probably would be the minimum as long as they win these next three games. If they were to lose one of them, then maybe to be safe, they'd have to at least reach the final of the WCC tournament. Charlie Cream, ESPN women's basketball bracketologist with us on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars go from three spots out to in as a firm number nine seed with that road win at Gonzaga. Let's say BYU doesn't lose again this season. They win their final three WCC contests in which they will be favored, and then they win two games in Vegas and take the title there. What's the best case scenario? What kind of a seed would BYU earn if they did run the table? I think they could theoretically get to a seven, uh, which would, I mean, being, moving up to an eight would not really matter much in the grand scheme of things. But I think they could probably, with all of that, get to a seven. It would, it would hinge a little bit on what else happens uh, in the rest of the country. Some of those teams that they're dealing with in those, in those spots, teams like North Carolina, UCLA, Michigan, Michigan State, um, they might have to fall back a little bit in order for BYU to, to elevate two speed lines like that. But those are the teams that, as Cougar fans, I would be kind of watching 
to see how they're doing. And for, for instance, BYU got got helped last night in sort of their uh, being a, a more solid member of the field with losses by teams like Clemson, Michigan State, and Tennessee. That helps, and that's the kind of thing that will also need to occur on some level for BYU to elevate as high as maybe a seven. Charlie, thanks for uh, fitting us into your demanding, busy schedule. We wish you uh, much rejoicing in watching a lot of college basketball over the next few weeks. I, I love it. I can't wait for it to even get hotter, and you guys uh, enjoy it as well. You got it, man. Thanks, Charlie. No problem. Good to talk to you. ESPN women's basketball bracketologist Charlie Cream on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Gonzaga is probably a lock. Uh, and then it's whether BYU gets in or not. So probably a multi Just avoid disaster. Yeah, side. don't lose yeah. to San Diego, who has one win in conference on your home floor. Right. And they've lost 13 in a row. Yeah. Coming up, a BYU athlete's called to serve as a scout in Spokane. Plus, a Cougar is leaving for Spokane, Jerem. And not in a way that you may be thinking about in terms of men's basketball. Is this a good thing? This is BYU Sports Nation. Shout out to today's guests, a trifecta, Steve Cleveland, former BYU basketball head coach, breaking down last night's game, previewing Gonzaga. Also, Gabby Garcia-Fernandez of BYU Men's Volleyball and Charlie Cream, ESPN Women's Basketball Bracketology. If you missed any of the show, download the podcast. Go to BYUSN.com to watch full episodes. Ain't nobody got time for Dennis Pitta. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Despite leading by 14 with eight minutes to go, BYU lose to San Francisco last night, 77-71. Next up, Gonzaga. They're number two in the country. BYU's won three of four up there, though. Will they do it again? Tomorrow, 10 Eastern on ESPN, BYU Radio, pregame, 9 Eastern on the radio. The Ginger Mamba, TJ Haas, named to the Google Cloud Academic All-District 8 team. I like District 9 as a movie. Fantastic movie and a great message. Haas is the first BYU men's basketball player to earn Cosida honors since Eric Mika was named All-District and second-team academic All-American in 2017. Baseball. Badcats beat Texas A&M Corpus Christi 6-2 last night. Today, the Cougars host The Ohio State, 3 Eastern on BYU Radio. And then Oral Roberts tomorrow, 2 Eastern on BYU Radio. Softball. Split the first day of the Marionetter Collegiate Classic in Southern California. Lost to Nebraska 5-4 in extras. Followed it up with a 7-3 win over Missouri. They take on Northwestern today at 2 Eastern and number 4 Oklahoma at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Shout out to the Coachella Valley. Golf. And Coachella. Uh, Peter Quest for Perfection led the men's golf team into first place after the first round of the Johnny Burns Invitational in Hawaii. He had an eagle, five birdies, and one bogey. It's a good round. Among his round. Quest shot a 66, tying him for first. Women's basketball. Following a big win in Spokane against then-13th-ranked Gonzaga, BYU hosts San Diego, who has lost 13 consecutive games what? at the Marriott Center tomorrow at 4 Eastern. Dave McCann, Kristen Kozlowski on the call. Football. Stadium College Football Insider Brett McMurphy projects BYU to play Memphis in the Hawaii Bowl. Well, well, well. Former BYU Cougars Jordan Leslie, Tanner Baldery, Micah Hanneman, Tuni Kanuch, and Hanson Tanielu play with the Salt Lake Stallions in their home debut game tomorrow against the Arizona Hotshots. Rice-Eccles Stadium, 3 Eastern. Track and field. Winter is coming, Spencer. Men and women's track and field compete in the MPSF Indoor Track and Field Championships today and tomorrow in Washington. Swimming and diving. Three divers qualified for the NCAA championships. Peyton Sorensen and Gwen Gustafson took first place in the 50 freestyle. Gustafson's 22.4950 meter time set a school record. The MPSF championships continue this morning in Southern California. 
Volleyball. Number nine, BYU Men's Volleyball continues its home stand, and they have a two-game win streak. They host Grand Canyon tomorrow night, 9 Eastern, on BYU TV and the app. Gymnastics. 17th-ranked BYU competes against the Flippin' Birds of Southern Utah. That's yeah, a real thing. Tonight, 9 Eastern in Cedar City. Tennis. Can we say that on BYU TV? Uh, women's tennis plays Washington State in Washington today at 3 Eastern time. Basically, almost every BYU team feels like they're competing in Washington. Every other, right? Number 27, BYU men's tennis, riding a five-match yeah. win streak, hosts Air Force tonight at 7.30 Eastern. Rugby. Their highest ranking since 09 or something? Yeah, t- uh, since 2010, yeah. Former Cougars Matt Jensen, Ada Elkington, Josh Whippy, Jackson Kaka, and Josh Anderson of the Utah Warriors in Major League Rugby host the Glendale Raptors tomorrow, 9 Eastern time. Today's rise and shout out. We have a couple of them. I'm giving it to Brandon Davies, who welcomed a new member to his Davies family. Yeah, as congrats. he continues his professional basketball career. Congratulations, in I yeah, to Brandon and his wife uh, on the birth of a, another beautiful child. My rise and shout out goes to Talia White of the BYU women's basketball team. She received her mission call. She's going to Spokane. She's she was just there. Uh, last Saturday. <laughs> she's going to go back. Uh, and maybe she could scout out the Zags while she's on her mission. Talia, what do you got for me? She calls home. She's like, Juddy, here's what they run. They run a hard ball screen on the strong side 48% of the time. Also, I taught 13 lessons this week. Well, she gets to call home once a week now, so there's a better opportunity spo- for that to happen. It's to be family mm-hmm. only. So. To have her mom tell Juddy. Yeah, shout out. Question of the day, what song best describes your feeling after last night's BYU loss to San Francisco? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort celebrating 50 years at KSAV07 on Twitter says, Are you ready for some football? By Hank Williams Jr. And that takes us to how many days away? Countdown to the youths. 188. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jerem. I am Spencer. Shout out to Lake Hemuli. Jerem, what's your song that you listen to to cope? Uh, I don't know. Limp Biscuit. Mine's Yesterday by the <laughs> Beatles. Go Kooks. <laughs> <laughs>